0: Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. Colossians, chapter 3. There's a lot of things uh, that I contemplated taking as the topic for this morning. And uh, Brother Anger suggested this particular topic, which I hope will be a help to each one today. And so as you get to Colossians, chapter 3, I'd like you to direct your attention to verse number 16. We'll take that as our text this morning. And with the Lord's help, in the next few minutes, I'd like to speak to you on the subject of the richness of the word in a new year. And, you know, God has given us, I referenced this as I was praying, God has given us all the things that pertain to life and godliness. And in Second Peter chapter 1, where that verse is found, we're reminded that the resource that God has given us for life and godliness is His Word. It's the promises of God which have been given to us, and those promises are very precious. Now, we talk a lot about the Word of God here at Lehigh Valley Baptist Church. We talk about the central place of the Word of God in our life. That is, in order to have a vibrant and growing and dynamic relationship with God, the Word of God is a key component of that relationship. It's impossible to have a right relationship with God apart from the Word of God. So just to put it bluntly, if you're not in God's Word on a regular basis, your relationship with God is not what it should be. You can, you can try to get around that all that you want, but that is the clear truth from the Scripture. So we know the Word of God is important, and we know that it should be in a very prominent place in our life, but the reality time and time again, as I anecdotally, as I talk with individual Christians, as I analyze my own life, as I look at, for instance, survey results that that sample a broad spectrum of people who claim to be Christians, the reality is that many, maybe even most, professing Christians have less than a dynamic relationship with the Word of God. It is not something that is a daily part of their life. It is not something, if it is a daily part, it is not something that they are communing with God through His Word. And so we want to talk about this struggle a little bit this morning, and hopefully share uh, a tool towards the end of the lesson this morning, which maybe it helped you. It'll be—it's not going to be anything brand new. Some of you will have heard uh, that this this tool before. So, uh, but sometimes we need to reset and go back to the things that we've been told before. And so that'll be a lot of what we're going to talk about this morning—is things that we've talked about before and. I, I was talking with my family about this the other day. I'm not sure what it is about when we turn the calendar to a new year. It tends to be a time when we evaluate things. It tends to be a time when we analyze our life and we set some, some goals looking forward. I'd like to improve in this area. So I want to lay before you the proposition this morning that the Word of God should, should figure in that for you today. And I hope that you'll consider the importance of God's Word, and perhaps the importance of making some, setting some goals, making some, making some aspirations concerning the Word of God in this upcoming year. Now, you'll notice in Colossians 3, verse 16, the Bible says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And I think verse 17 goes along with that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So we're told in this passage that we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And there's a, there's a lot there. So I want you to consider, first of all, the place... Of the Word of God. Now we know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, and Jesus is the living Word of God. But what is being referred to here in Colossians 3:16 is the written word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now we all have houses where we dwell: a home, an abode, a place where we're familiar. Uh, you probably, in your, ha- in your house, you probably have a favorite chair. Uh, you may have a place on the couch where you like to sit. I, does this happen in other families? We have, we have two couches in our, in our family room, in our living room, and one of those is the preferred couch, and two seats on that couch are the preferred couch for everyone. And so everybody vies for those seats. It's kind of like the front seat of the car, um, when, when you're not driving and you know, whoever, all the kids want to sit in the front seat um, you probably have uh, some familiar routines in your home you, you probably are familiar with the hallways with the doors with the layout of the furniture uh, all of those things your house is a place where you're comfortable it's a place where you are at home and that's the idea of this phrase in Colossians 3.16 is that we ought to be at home with the Word of God. The Word of God ought to be comfortable for us. The Word of God ought to be familiar to us. The Word of God ought to be a place where we resort in times of of distress. It ought to be a place where we go when we're looking for counsel and clarity. It ought to be a place where we go when we need to, to know God's will. It's the place where we go when we're trying to understand who God is and what he is like. And he tells us in verse 16 that we should let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Now, if he's instructing us in this matter, and this is in the command format that we are to allow or to let the word of Christ dwell in us, does that not denote that it's possible for us as believers to not let the word of God dwell? dwell in us richly in all wisdom, that there is a choice or a decision or a process or a procedure that we need to follow to allow the Word to dwell in us richly. The Word of God ought to have a place of prominence and preeminence. It ought to be, as one hymn says, familiar speech to us. The Word of God ought to fill our mouth It ought to fill our conversation, and even more than that, it ought to fill our thoughts and our heart. But how do we get to the place where we have the Word of God dwelling in us richly? Well, just by way of reminder, some of the things that the Word of God is to us this morning, as we consider the place of the Word, you might want to put a marker in Colossians 3 because we're going to come back there after a little while. But I'd like to invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 with me. And we notice, first of all, that the Word of God is seed. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 23. And particularly in this passage, in the context of this passage, it is the seed which brings forth the new birth, new life. Uh, it is the seed that brings about the, the process of us being born again. So in verse 23, he says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And what's interesting about that is the, the word of God as incorruptible seed, that means that it will never decay, it will never change, it will never go out of style you're never going to have to go and look for a different seed or a different resource. This is the resource that God has given to us, his word. The word of God is central in our conversion experience. I would go so far as to say that without the truth of the word of God, it is impossible for a person to be saved. You must have the truth of the word of God. Now, That doesn't necessarily mean that you had to read through the whole Bible or you had to hold a Bible in your hand, but you couldn't have possibly known the way of salvation without someone sharing with you the truth that comes from the Word of God. So it's the Word of God that is the incorruptible seed. And because it's incorruptible, that means that once the Word of God does that work in us, that new birth work, God has determined that it is going to continue that new birth work in us. In other words, when a person gets saved, the the proceeding from that is going to be sanctification. And God is determined to do that work, and He primarily uses the Word of God in bringing about that life in us. So the Word of God is seed. But then I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and see this with me that, second of all, the Word of God is water. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 26, speaking about Jesus and how he loved his church and gave himself for it, it says in verse 26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. By the Word. Now, water has a lot of functions, but in this particular passage, as the the descriptor of water is used to help us understand the place of the Word of God, we're reminded that the Word of God is that which cleanses us, it's that which washes us. And the Lord Jesus uses His Word to wash us. Uh, to sanctify us, to make us like Him. And, And just to be very specific, we have all kinds of inputs into our heart, into our mind, and we have all kinds of filthiness of the flesh that's left over in our old nature that needs to be cleansed out. And if you've ever despaired about that as a Christian, if you've ever taken a deep look in your heart, and stepped away and thought, I can't believe how how much of a sinner I am. I can't believe how much sin still is within me. Then that's giving you a sense of the need for the work of sanctification. I think most of us can understand that. Uh, If you've ever, as a Christian, you know that you're saved, and you get down the road, and then you're just bewildered, at some of the sins that you're dealing with, you would think when I got saved that God would take all of that away. And no doubt, he did take some things away. But primarily what he did when you got saved is he gave you a new heart and he began the work of sanctification. The removal of that filthiness. And thankfully, he didn't peel it all back and show it to you all at once because you would have died of a heart attack if you realize how much wickedness there was in your heart, but steadily and surely he shows us what we are and he calls us to obedience. He calls us to a place of purifying those things. And the way that he does that is through the word of God. The word of God is like the soap and water that, that cleanses us and shows us the areas where we need to change, where we need to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one reaction to that can be, that's uncomfortable. And this is maybe like a, 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 an 8 or 9 or 10-year-old boy who's allergic to baths and doesn't like to be told to take a bath because that, I, you know, for whatever reason, maybe a better example is the dog that doesn't like to get a bath. I remember when I was a kid, we had this dog who hated the bathtub, and the ironic thing was he loved water of all sorts except for a bathtub, and I remember times trying to get him in the bathtub, and it was impossible. One time we thought we're going we're gonna to get him, we put him in his crate, and uh, it was one of those enclosed ones, and we brought, it, we brought the whole crate up to the bathtub, and we, were gonna, we put the bath, that in the bathtub, and we were going to bring him out, and he wasn't coming out. And uh, I remember our, he had his feet like this, and, and we finally gave up. We, we learned that we didn't give him a bath inside. It just didn't work out. We got more of a bath than he did. Um, you know, as a Christian, we can act like that sometimes about the cleansing that the Word brings, and because of that, we start to avoid the Word of God, because it's uncomfortable to us. We don't like how it makes us feel when we're convicted about sin. So the word is seed. The word is water. 1 Peter 2 and verse 2 is a familiar one. I'll read it to you. Why don't you turn to Hebrews four twelve? The scripture says in 1 Peter 2 and 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So the word is also milk. That is, it's our spiritual food. And when we're, when we're a babe in Christ, we need the... The first things, the milk of the word, as we get older and more mature in our walk with God, we need the meat of the word of God. And the word is also described as meat. That's the strong doctrine that we need to guard against the, the, the ravages of the world. So we need, to, we need to be sustained by partaking of the word of God. And if you want to compare that to the way that you partake of sustenance of food in your life I, I would reckon that it's fairly unusual for you to miss eating for an entire day. Most of us are going to eat at least once a day, and most of us are going to eat several times a day. And we do that because our body requires nutrition, requires the nutrients in order to be healthy and to grow. So in the same way, we need to be partaking of the Word of God because it is our spiritual sustenance or our milk ...that we need to grow. Now, you're in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. A fourth thing that the Bible is for us is a sword. And I'm going to read Hebrews 4.12 in just a minute. You're also familiar with Ephesians 6.17, which says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So, it's a sword with which we do battle in spiritual warfare... And Hebrews 4.12 describes this spiritual warfare for the word of God, verse uh, 4.12, for the the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Now, I've never done this sort of dissection where I got down and tried to divide in a bone between the joint and the marrow. But I would suppose that what the scriptures are telling us is that's a very fine distinction. And certainly we know that he's telling us here that the the scriptures are able to divide between the soul and the spirit. And if you want to think of it this way, you might think of the soul as the part of you that is influenced easily by the old man. It's your, your feelings and your thoughts and ultimately your will, what you choose to do. And your spirit is the part of you that relates to God. Now, have you ever asked a question of yourself, is that from me or is that from God, that desire? Well, sometimes it can be hard to tell because we can be good at deceiving ourselves. But one thing that helps us to divide and to be able to discern is the word of God. The word of God is able to give clarity in confusion. So for instance, if you were lost driving, let's say that you went to New York City today. I don't know why you would, but let's just say that you did. And let's say that you got off at the wrong exit and ended up in a neighborhood somewhere in the Bronx. And you don't have any idea because you've never been in the Bronx before and you're trying to figure out how to get back to where you need to go. What are you going to do? Well, most of us are going to get our phone out, right? And, and you're saying, well, that would never happen because I've already got my GPS out and it's keeping me from going the, right, the wrong direction. All right, go with me on this. All right, go back in the old days before you had GPS. I remember one time when we were coming back from a, we, it was a teen missions trip on Long Island and they took a wrong turn coming up to the Verrazano Bridge And we ended up in one of the sketchiest warehouse neighborhoods that I've ever seen in my life on the church bus with a bunch of teenagers. And they were trying to figure out, and this predated GPS and all that stuff. So they were trying to figure out where to go. And uh, let's just say we finally got home, obviously. What do you need at that point? Well, you need clarity. You need direction. You need somebody to say, Turn left, not right. Go up there, two two intersections, turn left, take the next right, and then you'll be in the place where you want to be. We need that kind of clarity. And this is what the Word of God does for us. Sometimes we're living in a state of confusion because we're dwelling in the misty never-never lands of confusion of, well, I'm not sure what to do. So one thing that I like to encourage people with is when you don't know what to do, do the thing that you know to do. There are things in the Bible that you know you ought to do. You always ought to do those things. When you're confused, do the things that you know you ought to do. And then in time, God will make that confusing thing clear sometimes There are things that may be confusing to us, decisions that we need to make, and the Bible doesn't clearly address what to do in that situation. So what should we do? Well, we should do the things that we know to do. The sad thing is a lot of people step back from the things they know they ought to do when they're in confusion, and it's like they're looking for some new answer. That's not going to help. So the Bible is a sword for us, in the sense that it allows us to engage in spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is such that we are challenging the the lies of Satan. And we need to know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. What is a lie and what is truth? And the sword of the Spirit is the weapon that God has given to us to confront the lies of Satan that come into our life. Finally, turn to Psalm 119, verse 105. I can't spend all of my time this morning on this part of the the lesson. Psalm 119, verse 105, just a continuation of what we've been talking about. And and really, you see how all of these descriptors are complementary to one another. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And what's interesting about that is a, a, a lamp and a light, if you think about the lamp, it shines on your feet. So if you had, let's say, a kerosene lantern or maybe a torch, which maybe is what the psalmist had in mind here, a torch that is burning, it's only going to illuminate a certain area in front of you, maybe enough to see where your next couple of steps are going to be. It's not going to illuminate way, way down the path, but it's going to give you direction for the next step so that you can see where you need to go. This is like the Word of God. Sometimes we're trying to figure out from the Word of God the, the, the really big picture. And, and of course, there are some things that God gives to us which are big picture, but for the most part, what He gives to us is the next step. And the word is a light. It's like driving in the fog. And I remember when I first started driving, and the first time that I drove in in some really thick fog, how unsettling that was. Because even though I had the headlights on, and it was it was dark outside, so even though I had the headlights on, I couldn't see very far. I could only see a little ways in front of me. You know what I'm talking about? And, and you're hoping that everything is, is going to just keep, but, but what are you going to do? And I remember thinking, what am I going to do? Am I just going to stop right here in the middle of the road? I, I think I just need to keep driving, obviously slow down. I need to keep driving and I need to just take it as much as I can see in front of me. Yes, sir. And you know, eventually the fog lifted and then I was able to see more clearly and I proceeded on my way. And this is how it is in life. We come into confusing times. Sometimes all we can see is what is the next step? What is the thing that God wants me to do? So you will never, you will never find the right path by disobeying God. By saying, I feel like going this way, so I'm going to go this way. That is going to take you the wrong direction. Follow the light of the word of God. So the place of the word of God, it's seed, it's water, it's milk, it's sword, a sword, it's light for our life. In other words, the word of God should have a priority place in every Christian's life. Now go back to Colossians 3:16. The word of God is communication from God. That's why it is so important. The word of God reveals God And his plan for us. And without the word of God, you and I are adrift on a sea of confusion and emotional decision making. And that is not going to be a good thing. We need the word of God. We depend upon the word of God. This is one of the reasons why in our services here at Lehigh Valley Baptist Church, we give a central place to the Word of God. This is what God's Word says. And then we do our best to apply the Word of God to our individual lives because if we fail to do that, then what are we getting together for? What kind of direction are we going to get if our direction is not coming from the Word of God? Did you ever ask for directions? And ask three different people and get three different answers? I have. And this this happened to me a lot when I was in Mexico City. I spent quite a bit of time in Mexico City, and sometimes I'd be trying to find something that I was looking for, and I would stop and ask directions. And the person would say, oh, go up here about, you know, a little ways, and turn right, and you'll be right there. (laughs) I think, I'm just going to check. So I would ask the next guy, I'm going to such and such a place. How do I get there? He'd say, oh, you're going the wrong way. You need to turn around and go back there and then take a left when you get down a little ways and think, well, that's odd. Two totally different ways. So let me ask somebody else. And I'll ask this other guy and he'll say, oh, oh yeah, it's over here. But wait a second. Where is it? And I quickly came to realize that in that, in that culture... It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of an anomaly or, or, or a feature of their culture that they like to give an answer. They don't really want to say that they don't know. So they would just tell you. And it didn't really matter whether it was right or wrong. It was just they didn't want to, to not give an answer. And, and in their defense, that to them, uh, the greatest sin would be to not give any answer at all. So they were trying to be helpful... But in the end, I thought, boy, I'm more confused than I ever was. And I learned pretty quickly that there were some people that you could ask for directions and other people, it wasn't such a good idea. And it didn't take me long to find a map of Mexico City so that I could actually see for myself where I was and where I needed to go. And that was a much better way to get around. So to use another analogy, the word is like a map. It's like a map for our life. That means it needs to have a prominent place. All right. So he tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And we're to, uh, by the way, if you notice in in the following part of the verse, the word of God is to feature largely in our fellowship with one another. We are to be teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And it's interesting how He even ties it together with our songs that we sing. Um, if I could just, this has this is like a, a corollary or a tangent that I don't want to, I don't want to chase this bunny all the way down and try to try to hunt it down. But I want to say that music is so important in shaping your feelings and your thoughts and your ideas about what you should be doing. And if you are exposing yourself to worldly music, you are being pulled in a wrong direction. So one of the things that we look for in music is that it should be saturated with scripture. It should be consistent with scriptural truth because that Music is going to, here's what, here's what the truth is about music. It speaks directly to your heart. It, ba- it bypasses the critical thinking process, and it speaks directly to your heart. Music is very, very powerful. Right. And so you need to make sure that you're choosing the right kind of music, that we're sharing the right kind of music with one another, and that that music is consistent with the revelation of God. All right, back to our subject the place of the word, now notice with me, second of all, some problems that are related to the word. So if the word is this important, why is it that we struggle so much? In fact, you probably have asked yourself this question as a Christian, why is it so hard for me to read the Bible sometimes? Why is it that it's easier for me to look at Facebook. It's a lot simpler for me to listen to my favorite podcast or to go over to YouTube. Why is it so simple to pick up a book and read it, but to read the Bible is so challenging, is so difficult? What are some problems relating to the word? Several that I will point out to you. First of all is the problem of negligence. Negligence. The truth is, and I I alluded to this in the introduction, it is very easy for us as believers to begin neglecting the Word of God. And it usually happens slowly. It usually happens incrementally. A day here or a day there. A couple days at a time. Next thing we know, we've not picked up the Word of God other than to come to church We've not picked up the Word of God and consumed it for ourselves in a week or two or maybe even longer. Negligence creeps in. We say, but I'm busy. I don't have time. You don't understand how much I have going on. I'm not trying to minimize how busy you are. In fact, I think that busyness is one of the one of the strategies of Satan to keep us away from the word of God. But I will point out that you're just as busy as you want to be. And if, you're, if you are not spending time in the word because you are too busy, you are too busy. You need to make some different choices. It is vital for your spiritual health that you figure out how to carve out some time to spend in the Word of God. It is distressing, always has been distressing to me as a believer, how easy it is to miss a day spending time with God. Can you identify with that? Yeah. And, and, it's all, and then you think, what, what happened? How did that even happen? I don't know, I, I, I got up, I got busy doing other stuff, and next thing I know, the day's over. And then, you know, having a reading list that you check off, it never lies. You say, oh, I guess I didn't read my Bible today. I guess I didn't spend time with God. Negligence, it's something that all of us grapple with. And, and of course, the, the best solution to dealing with negligence is good old-fashioned self-discipline. It it is scheduling it and then pursuing it and and making sure that you carve out that time and that you give it a prominent place. Some people have gone so far as no Bible, no breakfast, which is easy for some of you because you say, I don't eat breakfast. No problem. Um, You get the point, though. The word of God should have a priority. You know what I found? It's so easy for me. I'm talking about me. Maybe this isn't you. It's so easy for me when I first wake up in the morning and I'm not quite awake yet and I say, well, you know, I, don't want, I want to be awake when I spend time with God to pick up my tablet, check my email. One thing leads to another. And all of a sudden I think, Whoa, wait a second, where did an hour go? You see what I'm saying? Maybe we have more time than we think we do, actually. And we're just not investing it properly. I know that that can be the case for me. Negligence. A, a second problem related to the word of God is that is the problem of rebellion or disagreement. We don't like what the word of God says. It cuts across the grain of our flesh. And when I open the Bible, I don't like what God is saying. So the natural solution is avoid the Bible. Most of us, if you're an older Christian, you're, you're mature enough to know better than to say that. But I have had some younger Christians who didn't know they weren't supposed to say that say it to me in exactly those words. Why aren't you reading your Bible? I don't, you, you were doing so well with it. Because I'm sinning and I, I'm tired of feeling convicted about it, so I stopped reading my Bible. Now, they were just being honest. Right, We get older as Christians, we know how to say it better. But it's still the same problem. It's still the same issue. We, we're disagreeing in our flesh with the word of God. We don't want to submit to its truth, so therefore we're going to avoid God's word. We don't like what it's saying. We're rebelling against it. That's a very poor decision. Very poor decision. That's like driving your car and seeing a do not enter sign don't go this way, and you say, I don't like how that makes me feel. I'm just going to keep going. Well, you're, you're headed for a problem. You're going you're gonna to meet some oncoming traffic pretty soon. You need, to, you need to consider your ways. All right, third of all, a third problem related to the Word of God is misunderstanding and misuse. And, and this is a big problem for many professing Christians Because we're not careful in how we study and interpret the word of God, or sometimes because we're looking for a proof text to do our own will, we can find ourselves misusing the word. We're not careful to interpret it to make sure that we understand it as God revealed it or in the sense that God wants us to know. So when God communicated truth, he had a purpose behind that. He's communicating a message. It's not okay for us to come and find our own private interpretation. To say, I don't know. You know, you, you, you want to buy a new car or something, and, and then you find a verse that, that seems to, um, what's the one in, in, is it 2 Kings, where it says Jehu was driving furiously? And you're like, that's exactly right. I mean, the Bible is clear. I need to get myself a sports car. It's obvious that it's God's will. Now, that's kind of a a random and strange application. But I've heard Christians give things just as strange as that as their justification for doing the thing that they're doing. So be careful about misusing the word of God. As you're reading the Bible, our, our, our intention is to understand it as it was given by God. To actually understand what it means and then to consistently apply it to our life. This can take practice and study on our part. Don't leave that to the pastor. That's something that all of us should be involved in and we should learn to skillfully handle the Word of God. A fourth problem that's related to the Word is the problem of disdain or familiarity. And sadly, we can get to the place in our Christian life, and this is one reason we don't let the Word dwell in us richly, because we feel, I've already tried that, and it didn't work. I, I already attempted to do it God's way, and it didn't work out. So now I'm going to find a better answer. We really hope that there's better answers than God's word somewhere else. But if you and I fail to apply the word to our life, we cannot benefit from its power. If we get to the place where we regard scriptural truth as Sunday school answers, we're in a dangerous place. Because now you're saying God's wisdom isn't sufficient for the problems of man. The world must have something better that's out there. Uh, maybe, Maybe God's word just wasn't intended to deal with the real life things that we actually confront in our life. Or maybe... You've just given up on God's way of doing things because it's uncomfortable and it's hard, and you've decided to look for wisdom somewhere else. And you will find eventually that that which you are hoping will be wisdom is not wisdom at all. So we have to be careful about disdaining the Scriptures, and also we have to be careful about our familiarity with the Scriptures. If you've read through the Bible a number of times and many verses are familiar to you, then this phenomenon will be quite familiar to you. You pick up your Bible to have your devotions, and you read a passage of Scripture, and there's a number of verses which you've studied before, and you just skim over them. I know what those mean. I, I already know how those apply. And you just move on to something else. Well, sometimes... It helps to take a fresh look at the scriptures, to regard it as, if you can do it, the first time you're viewing that verse. You may have studied it before. So this is a peculiarity, at least to those who spend a lot of time in the word, that can can be a struggle. You have to struggle against it. So I find myself struggling against this all the time. I have no idea at this point how many times I've read through the Bible from cover to cover. I have no idea how many passages I've studied deeply to prepare messages in order to share with the congregation. So it can be a tendency for me to open my Bible and to quickly dismiss a passage of Scripture because I've already studied it and to just skim through it and get done with my devotions and walk away and think, I don't even remember what I read. I don't even remember if God said anything to me. So we have to fight against that tendency to become overly familiar. In contrast to that, every single time that I have ever taken a familiar verse and really concentrated on digging into that verse, I have come away with a sense of the freshness of God's word. I don't mean that I found some new interpretation or anything like that But I always come away with the sense God's word is alive. God's word applies to my life right now, just like it did last time I studied this passage of scripture. It's just as powerful and oftentimes its applications will be unique today from what they were last time I studied that because I have changed. Because my situation has changed. The Word hasn't changed, but I have changed. And there's things that may apply differently in that passage now. So the place of the Word, it needs to dwell in us richly. The problems related to the Word, you've heard those. You could probably come up with a couple more to add. But let me leave you in the last few minutes here with a plan for the Word. Now again, nothing groundbreaking here. Nothing... Brand new. I'm not going to come to you with something that you've never heard before, but I'm going to re-up something that I've said many, many times from this pulpit. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. If you find yourself weighed down by your failure in spending time in the Word of God, first of all, you're not alone. Second of all, it's a new day. It's a new opportunity. There's, there, the Word of God is still there. So let, let's work together and let's say as a church family, this is important. Each of us needs to be spending time with God every day in, in the Word. Amen. Not just in the Word, but in the Word. That's what we're focusing on today. So a couple of things. Daily intake of the Word of God. Seek to bring the Word of God into your heart, into your thoughts every day. You can do this by reading the Word of God. You can do this by listening to the Word of God. So it's becoming more and more common as I deal with newer Christians or people who are new to the things of the Lord that people will express to me, I struggle with reading And I find the language, particularly of the authorized version, is difficult, and I have a hard time understanding it. I have a hard time engaging my attention. Do you have any advice? So one thing that you can do is to listen while you read. If you find an audio Bible where someone is reading the Bible for you, and you can find those pretty easily online for free. And then at the same time, you're looking at the print and you're reading it. First of all, it helps you with your pronunciation. Second of all, it helps to engage your attention and stay engaged with the text. And third of all, there's something about it. I I don't know what it is about reading the scriptures that way, but I notice things that I missed before. And so maybe it's the way that the reader is emphasizing The words as reading through it or something like that. All right. So you can read the word. You can listen or hear the word. And and that could also be many of you commute for work. So while you're driving, and I I don't suggest this as a replacement for actually reading your Bible, but it's good during that time. Just fill your car with the sounds of the scripture and, and listen to the word of God while you're driving it probably do good for your road rage too <laughs> not only should we read or listen but we should study and studying we'll get to that in just a minute how to how to uh, a quick method for doing that you should try to memorize the scriptures and so you can for instance use our our church scripture memory program or perhaps you want to work on a particular area of your Christian life, and there's some verses that are meaningful to you, but you definitely want to be memorizing the Word of God so that you can be meditating on the Word of God. And the word meditate means to muse or to murmur. It's the idea of talking to ourselves. And instead of talking to ourselves about the things we're irritated about or the things that are bothering us or the things that we don't like or that we're griping about or whatever, we could be talking about the Word of God. We could be talking to ourselves about the Scriptures and meditating on the Word. So daily intake is critical. We're going to come back and and give a practical suggestion with that. And daily incorporation or application is uh, is absolutely critical. So when I'm spending time reading the Word of God, I'm anticipating that I'm going to hear from God. That God is going to give me some direction, that there's going to be something I'm going to learn about Him, that I can worship Him for. There's going to be some things that I can give thanks for. There's going to be perhaps a a, a window into my heart. Uh, I'm going to become aware of sin in my life, and I'm going to find something that I need to confess to the Lord. Maybe I'm going to find something I need to make a change in my life. I need to apply this truth, this principle in my life today. So daily incorporation or application, that is allowing God's word to actually direct your steps and anticipating that God is going to use his word in that way. All right, so here's a suggestion. When you read your Bible, I suggest that you should read in two different ways. First of all, you should read for distance. And second of all, you can read for depth. So reading for distance looks like picking up a reading schedule to say, I want to do my best to read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in 2024. Now that sounds like a formidable task. The truth is it takes about 10 to 12 minutes of reading, depending on the speed that you read at. It takes about 10 to 12 minutes of reading every day of the year And you will read from Genesis to Revelation in one year. It really doesn't take that long. So the excuse of I don't have time doesn't really float here. It's good to say I want to read through the Bible. Maybe for you, you say, well, I like to read more slowly and take it in. Fine. Maybe make a goal to read through the Bible in two years. To say over the course of the next two years, I want to read every book of the Bible. As a Christian... You should be able to say, I've read the whole Bible. Yes, sir. I've read it all from cover to cover. I've read every book. I've read every page. My eyes have seen every word of Scripture. As a pastor, I need to be able to say that I've done that many times. If I'm going to stand before you and propose to teach the Word of God. So read for distance. Find a reading plan. We have some out on the, on the counter out there. The free counter. You can find one of those, you can look for, uh, there's different, different reading plans that are available online, different approaches to reading through the Bible, and read for distance. The second thing you want to do is read and meditate for depth, and this is the idea of studying. So when you read that passage, that section for that day, be on the alert, be looking for something that grabs your attention, something that you notice In the text, a verse or maybe a paragraph. And you say, boy, I want to dig into that a little bit more. So it doesn't take long to read through, but now I want to come back and I want to consider that verse or that paragraph. I want to consider what it's saying. Choose a verse or two that stands out and then take the time to dig deeper for God's message in that part of what you have read. And you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can use the five helping men which you're familiar with from, probably from high school, and I've always puzzled over why it's the five helping men, and yet it's who, what, when, where, why, how. Who, what, when, where, why, how. Every time I count it, it's six, but it's always called the five helping men, so whatever, all right? It's the five helping men, but ask six questions. You're not laughing, all right. Use, use this. You say, but that's so simplistic. I know... But what it does is it makes you slow down and think about what you're reading. And just asking those questions and answering them, you will be surprised how much comes out of the text. A second method, which is equally effective, is what I refer to as the word emphasis method. And you choose, again, this is not original with me, you choose a verse And you read through the entirety of the verse, emphasizing a single word and considering its place in that verse and what it means. This looks like, if we're considering our text, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let. What does the word let mean? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. There's only one word of Christ. There's not a bunch of them out there. Let the word of Christ. Do you see how this works? And again, it's it's not some kind of a groundbreaking method, but what it does is it slows you down to think carefully about the words in the text, and thinking carefully about the words in the text uncovers the truth that's in the text And the truth that's in the text is what affects our life. So read for distance and read for depth. And then as we find in our passage here, it's so helpful then when we fellowship with one another for our conversation to be circling around the things that we're learning in our time with God in his word, teaching and admonishing one another with the things that we've that we've learned from the Word of Christ. This is actually what fellowship is. And this heightens our understanding of the Word of God. Have you ever experienced this as you're talking with someone about some truth that you've learned from the Word of God and you're exchanging with them that truth? becomes all the more real and vivid to you. And maybe you even see some other application that you hadn't considered before. And that fellowship heightens the power of the word of God. That's what God intends. All right. So our text says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And my challenge to you today, it's a very practical challenge. It's the last day on the calendar from 2023. Tomorrow, if Christ tarries... We start a new year, we have a new opportunity, grab a reading list, find something to to organize your reading schedule and make it your aspiration in this coming year by the grace of God to spend time in God's word every single day and see what God does in your life as a result.